Thank you, thank you, thank you. Holy, holy, holy. It is good to be back with you this morning after a week of feasts. <laughs> Everything from grits and wings to soup with uh, jalapenos laced in it. You know, I even got some good pan-fried dumplings this week. You give church comfort food a good name. It has been a movable and an abundant feast. And along the way, there have been questions. Just a few questions. <laughs> Some of them face-to-face, -face, but also through Facebook and email and by text. Uh, some one-on-one, -on -one, because people didn't want to ask it in front. And I want to tell you the question that gets most asked, which I'll just answer for everybody right here and now, is will we get to hear our other preachers ever again? <laughs> and I want to say your other preachers have been feeding me for the last nine months as I've listened to your podcast. And most certainly be assured you will get to hear your other preachers again. <laughs> We certainly need more than one voice and maybe even more than these voices to reveal for you and us what God is speaking to us in this day and in this time. So along the way, these Exodus people, they also had some questions over and over again in so many ways. Are we there yet? Can you tell us, are we there yet? Well, not so much. Maybe one more step on the journey, but not yet. Uh, some of you as parents know this question very well. Are we there yet? Two minutes outside the driveway? Are we there yet? My sister Terry and I spent a lot of time in the back seat of this big old car that mom had enough money to buy. And we used to say that, are, you there? are we there yet? You know when the disciplinarian gets distracted by things like safety on the road? You know, the little ones in the back seat can just have at it. She and I would do wonderful things. There was, in this old car, there was a hole in the floorboard in the back. Not a big hole, but a hole that was big enough that you could drop things down. You could see the road. <laughs> and you could, you could drop things down there, and then you could pop up and look out the back window to see if you could see them. <laughs> we had no idea what littering was, and we also didn't know that, that a car behind us might get hurt because of, you know, that beautiful little marble was bright enough we thought we might be able to see it when it went by. We were also small enough and the back seat was big enough that between the headset, the, the headrests, and the window in the back, we could lay up there. You know, this is before seat belts, right? Before any of that kind of safety stuff is going on these days. And so we would do that. After we got tired of exploring, we would do what's natural for kids that age and we would just turn on each other. <laughs> Brother and sister, plenty of room, plenty of room back there did some wrestling for our own territory. Mom's distracted, so let's have at it. <laughs> I, mine was, she's getting too close to me, Mom. She's on my side. Her stuff is crossing the line. And back then, you know, there really weren't any lines in those seats. There weren't any bucket seats or anything like that. They were just benches. You know, even the front seat was a bench. You know, front seat and back seat were benches. She's crossing over into my territory. You know, make her stop, Mom. And the real favorite, Terry wins the prize. You know, I remember this to this day. Mom, Troy is looking through my window. <laughs> and all this could happen on Sunday on the way home from church. Mom would say, stop that now. Really, really, we just left church. 
she say with, as if leaving church should make some kind of difference to us. <laughs> you two, we just left church. Oh, church, how many times we leave as if it's another world out there and has nothing to do with the rest of our life. These Exodus people are still learning. They're still growing. They're going to have to learn a little bit more about trust. Trust in Moses, trust in God. Last week, we heard that plagues and pillars just weren't enough. Flamboyant miracles did not do it. It's still hard to believe, to trust that God would provide, to trust that there would be enough, to trust Moses. We even looked at the jump from one day of trust to, wow, two days of trust, you know, and to accept a day of rest. This week, we joined them again, this loose assortment of tribes, and now they're asking, are you sure? Aren't we there yet? Do we have to go through this part? I'd like to already be there, wherever there is. Well, on that road, they don't even know the rules, something as simple as keeping their hands to themselves. You know, and so God's in the midst of all this, and, you know, at this moment in time, some boundaries would be really helpful. Some boundaries to help them survive this not yet a people. They remind me a little bit, a little bit, of continually having to relearn our values and coming back together to be something bigger than ourselves. Have you noticed it? Have you seen the shifting, the positioning, the jockeying around? Whenever we add a new letter to our alphabet, L, G, B, T, I, I, Q, Q, S, G, L, C, A, A, G, Q. That's actually all of those and more. You can ask me what they are later. <laughs> Have you been in some of those meetings where a new identity, a new person, a new being, a new soul shows up and you seem to have to retrace what all those steps of trust were from the beginning? Can you get a feel for these tribes? Because that's where they are. That's exactly where they are. And they don't have any experience to trust. And each of us in some of those meetings may have more reasons to mistrust. And sometimes the whole thing just falls apart into personalities and identity politics. Say amen. amen. Now the Exodus people get the big test. More than from one day to two days. They get 40 days. Moses goes up on that mountain talking with God, 40 days. They can see the lightning and the thunder up there. They can hear it, but 40 days. Okay, we're supposed to be trusting this guy, and now he's gone and disappeared on us. My, can I trust that or not? He is gone. The absence is too much for them. They do not pass the test, which is the story of our story as we keep repeating this throughout the wilderness. They do not pass the test again. The absence is too much, so they create a substitute something solid, something they can see, something like the Egyptians used to have. But this one will be ours, this golden calf. It's sort of like a pacifier. You know, a kid really wants the bottle or the breast, and you put that pacifier in there. It's not the real thing, but it's a substitute. It's called a transitional object. Walter and I have two godsons, one in Baltimore and one here in Houston. And the one in Houston still has a blanket that he's had forever. Started out satin, but all the satin's gone. 
But that blanket's still with him, and, and Walter loves it more than me because the blanket's name is Uncle Walter. <laughs> and so whenever they ask what our names are, he forgets me, but he knows who Uncle Walter is. But it brings comfort in the absence of that which you really want in that moment in time. It's there for a moment to help soothe. Have you ever seen people fight over things, over objects, when someone dear to them has died? It's as if the thing is now the person. Somehow it can keep them alive and close and nearby. I do remember when my mother died nine years ago. I needed to know where her piano was. And I was okay with it being in my sister's house and the little ones learning how to play. I just needed to know where it was. I also needed to know where our, we have this drop leaf table we used to eat dinners on, maple table, round. I didn't need to have it, though it'd be okay if I had it. Where was that in my other sister's house? I just needed some sense of security. Where was that? These objects help us when we're feeling empty or lost. They aren't the real thing. They're just transitional. They cannot last. These Exodus people have their living and breathing transitional object. His name was Moses. And all of a sudden, that object is gone. And since that object is gone, they decide that they'll throw that keg party in the backyard like those teenagers do. It gets sort of out of hand. Sort of like Mardi Gras can be sometimes. You know? having that big party up there. They use all the fat up for Mardi Gras. They gather everybody's fat together and they make those rich desserts and those wonderful things so they can celebrate fully before you go into those 40 weeks of fasting to prepare for Easter. Well, these people, they didn't have the fat those days, but they had gold left over from Egypt. So they all gathered up all their different pieces of gold and they put them together in one pot and out came this golden calf. Don't you like the story? Aaron kind of says, I don't even know where that came from. When he's asked to explain himself later. Where'd that come from? They made me do it. We need to also ask ourselves how we do this in our lives. Where do we look for a substitute instead of the real thing? Or because at that very moment we feel lost. Or we can't have access to what we really need. Where do we lose our trust that God is with us? Where does it seem like 40 days and 40 nights are oh so long and we just aren't going to make it? There are certainly, certainly many substitutes, things, even people who are willing to fill the void. They're willing to jump in. So even as we ask the question, are we there yet? We know, oh God, we know. We're on the way, but not there. But if you are with us, God, if you're with us, maybe we can take one more step. In the story, it's important to see Moses intercedes for the people. They're still not ready for that direct one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. Moses is in the middle. Now that has provided a lot of danger throughout history ever since then. We have to keep learning that nobody's in the middle between us and God. But it's in this point of their learning, in this point of their knowing who God is, they need someone in the middle, in between, because they don't know God well enough yet to have direct communication. So Moses intercedes for them. Moses in the middle. 
and God relents. And there's a compromise. Okay, let's try some boundaries. Let's set up some rules. Let's see how they do. Let's put them in the desert for 40 years and see what comes out. And they're testing, they're testing what it means to be a people of God. These commandments shape us. It may seem clear and simple until you try to apply them. Clear and simple until you try to apply them. Then you end up with court systems and law books and lawyers and you end up with all this extra stuff because you're just trying to apply the simple how to keep your hands to yourself kind of rules. I'm glad Moses listened to his father-in-law Jethro and got himself some help. Some years back when I was uh, visiting Houston preaching and my sister Christy happened to be at home with my dad, I headed home to visit her after church one Sunday morning, going from the car into the back door, you know, the family door into the porch. Before I got inside, I heard this voice, Uncle Troy. I said, okay, let's see who it is. And it was my nephew Blaine, eight years old, out on the swing set, Uncle Troy. And I said, I go over and say hi to Uncle Blaine. And he says to me, Uncle Troy, what are adult trees? Adult trees. And I go over to him and I said, excuse me, what? <laughs> excuse me, what? And he says, and he gets it a little bit clearer when I get closer, or maybe my ears clip. He says, what is adult tree, Uncle Troy? I haven't even gotten to the house yet, eight years old. <laughs> what is adult tree, Uncle Troy? Take a breath as the non-parent here trying to think of what is age appropriate. I wanted to hit the pause button. I flashed on Zan Holmes. How many of you know Zan? He's the co-host of the Disciple Bible Study Series. He's up there every week teaching Bible. When he gets to this lesson in Disciple Bible Series, he says, don't go hankering. Don't go hanker after your neighbor's wife. Don't go hankering after your neighbor's stuff. So I imagine Zan and hankering when I'm talking to Blaine, and I think I don't want to explain hankering to an eight-year-old. <laughs> so I try, and I say, you know, it's when married people make promises, and they break their promises to each other, and it really hurts. Now let's go find your mom. <laughs> so he had memorized them in Bible class. He could show me his blue ribbon for the amount of verses he had memorized. And I found out later that he knew it so well in children's time, which they had the children come up front in church and tell these stories. And that lesson that day in their church had been the Ten Commandments. And the preacher... I think it was an experienced preacher, but he asked, do you know any of the Ten Commandments? And Blaine piped up, no adultery. <laughs> the preacher was surprised and the congregation laughed. So he knew he had something there, but he didn't know what it was. <laughs> so Uncle Troy was the good one to ask. God says, no, you are not there yet. Let's try some training wheels. Let's set up some boundaries and see if we can learn to live with each other. One scholar says the Ten Commandments, the first tablet, the first section, is a doctrine of theological emancipation. Theological emancipation. Forget those other gods. Forget how they did it in Egypt. You are no longer subservient to the many whims that whip around. Forget the distraction. Focus on the I am. Focus on the one God. This theological emancipation. It's about getting it right with God. Then the second part of the Ten Commandments, without the overseers to keep us in place, the rest of it's how we get it right with each other. 
When we don't keep these things, when we don't keep these rules, we lose trust in one another. Each commandment's worth a whole class, so I'm not going to go through them today. You can breathe. But we will, at some other time, explore them in their fullness, what it meant to them in that moment in time and what it means to us today. What we've made it mean that may not actually be what it did mean, but how we need to trust. This motley crew of loose tribes is still trying to trust God and what it means to trust each other. Can they hold a covenant? Not for one day, not for two days, but for 40 days and for longer. Can they emerge beyond and broader than their individual tribes? No matter how many LGBTQQIAACSGLCCs there are, how many new letters are added, can they still trust God in and among all that? Resurrection, you are a diverse people. Do you know that? You are a diverse people. You are also a strong and independent and opinionated people. Do you know that? Yes, you are. Thanks be to God. You are Lutherans and Presbyterians and Roman Catholics and Assemblies and United Methodists and Episcopalians and more who've gone together into something larger called Metropolitan Community Churches. You are Green Party and Tea Party and Democrat and Republican and Libertarian and non-voters, either because you haven't, you're too young or you've just given up on the system and more. You are doubters and proclaimers. You are troubled and assured. You are sinners and saints. You are saved and you are searching and more. All of you right here, loose assortment of tribes, listening to God, trusting in who God's calling you to be, God's people, for now and for the future. And so together, when you live deeply beneath all these differences, then there's some questions that God asks us to address and to live into. Can I, can we trust enough? Can we trust enough to move beyond the toleration of our differences to dissolve into the celebration of diversity God would have for us? Can we trust enough that any illusion of separateness, of distinction, disappears when we come to the table as disciples of Jesus Christ and become the body of Christ together? Can we shift? Can we grow even beyond the do-nots, which the commandments are, to the do's, the way Jesus reframes it? Love God. Love neighbor. How to use our hands for good how that law can be written upon our hearts. Can I and can we trust God to etch that law upon our hearts in such a way that it can weave the diverse tribes together to be the beautiful people God wants us to be? And this is a hard one. Can I and can we trust in the mystery that I am still me within the we of us as we love and sit before God. Can I trust that I am still me within the we of all of us? Are we there yet, people of resurrection? Oh no. Are we on the way, people of resurrection? Oh yes. Thanks be to God who is with us each step of the way, training wills and all. Amen.